Those into crypto are part of one big family, leading this and the next generations into the future. And just like many groups, we're starting to see various blockchain and crypto clubs spring up. Today, you'll meet Philip Nunn of WealthChain Capital. He's launching an invitation-only private crypto members club. Now, we don't know if there's going to be a secret handshake or not, but we invite you to listen in as we discover, is this an Illuminati thing? Hint, it's not. But we do have enlightenment for you on episode number 168 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Do you know the secret handshake, Travis? I, I do know the secret Masonic handshake, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to be in the club, you have to know the high sign. It's it's very specific. We need a we need a bad crypto handshake. What would that be? Um, I think it's I think the bad crypto handshake would be more like one of the super cool handshakes that like the brothers would do like in the seventies, you know, like the jive talking handshake, kind of you know the side. <laughs> I'd appropriate that handshake. Sounds good. It's the Bad Handshake Podcast, and sometimes we talk about crypto and we talk about other things. I'm Joel Com. He's Travis Wright. We're the crypto clowns, the blockchain blockheads. We're here for you with multiple episodes each week talking about blockchain, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, the future of digital money, because this rabbit hole just goes deeper and deeper. It does, especially when you're talking about money. And if you're talking about you know, fiat currency, talking about the Federal Reserve Bank, talking about wealth, creating of wealth. I mean, there's there's a big rabbit hole that there's there. I went down that in the year 2000 when I realized that the Federal Reserve Bank was neither federal nor is it a reserve. And then you realize that the Federal Reserve Bank is owned by the Federal Reserve trustees. <laughs> and then you'd start diving down. You're like, well, what? Wait a second. You mean to tell me that Whenever we pay taxes, they don't actually go to the IRS, go to the government. They actually go to the Federal Reserve trustees. And like when you understand all of that stuff, you're going like, wow, this is a crazy system that we are in, Mr. Jolcom. Things are not what they appear to be. And that's what happens when you're part of the Illuminati, apparently. I I got uh, I get multiple invitations. You know, who knew that yeah, there would be so many people wanting to invite me to the Illuminati? And I get them on Instagram. Uh, and, and here's here's one of them. Hello. Good day. Uh, I am. And I won't read the person's name. I'm a member of Illuminati Kingdom. I am here to get more people. <laughs> the Illuminati Kingdom. Yeah. Nice. I am okay. here I realize that. to get more people in the organization and to make them become rich and famous in life. So are you interested in joining the Illuminati Brotherhood and become rich and famous in life? Well, that seems legit to me. It seems totally. Yeah. Like we're here to help people become rich and rich in life. Like, hello, you're the Illuminati, right? You're the one you guys pretty much make the money. (laughs) Well, this uh, wealth chain uh, that we're going to talk about today has absolutely nothing to our knowledge to do with Illuminati. Philip Nunn is a really cool cat. Enjoyed talking with him. We had a really fun time talking all things crypto and blockchain. And he is launching the world's first crypto investment club. At least he says it's the world's first. There might be another one out there, but this is, you know, to my knowledge. There might be another one that's on the download that you can't get invited to because you ain't part of the cool club. 
because you have to know the secret handshake. You got to know all that stuff. You know, it's like, how do you get in? How do you know the secret handshake unless you're part of the club and you can't get in the club unless you know the secret handshake? And it's like, and then what if somebody, what if you know the secret handshake and they're like, how did you know the secret handshake? You weren't a part of this. And then like they bust you because somebody told you the secret handshake before you were part of the club. It's just a big circle. The good news is to be in blockchain and crypto, everybody's welcome into the family. And if you want to do it right, then you're going to want to talk to our sponsor at New Alchemy. Can you stop with the ice? I was going to say everyone is invited except my crazy uncle Joe. He's not. Travis is always drinking and and you hear ice when, you know, I'm trying to talk. Can you just it's actually not ice i i realized i hadn't taken this uh this medication and so it was a pill bottle but i'm gonna mute myself now it is time for you to take your medication travis uh, new alchemy can't help with that but they can help if you're doing an ico because they provide end-to-end services what does that include project management token design your business strategy smart contract development marketing services these guys have been doing blockchain innovation for seven years they've enabled over 2.7 billion dollars worth of tokenization products we're happy to have them as a sponsor for the bad crypto podcast and you could find out more about what they are up to at newalchemy.io and you don't even need to know the password because they want to hear from you it's time for our interview with philip nunn the ceo of wealth chain capital you know i woke up this morning travis and i said to myself self you really need to find somebody on the other side of the pond who knows about blockchain and capital and tech to speak with. And so I sent the vibes out to the universe. Wow. And and this dude showed up. His name's <laughs> Philip Nunn. He's the uh, the CEO of Wealth Chain Capital, a blockchain and tech fund that's currently raising capital to help businesses with sustainable and forward-thinking strategies to thrive in this exciting blockchain space. Hello Philip. Welcome. Hi. Guys, how are you? We, we, we're good, and, and thanks for um, – actually, it's not the last minute because we've been trying to get this interview with you now uh, for weeks. Yeah. And you, you were like, I'll have none of that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. The Winklevoss brothers kidnapped me, and they've been uh, taking stuff out of my brain. So uh, I'm back now. I'm back to normal now. So. We've been trying to get them on the show too, and uh, no reply from the Winklevi. Yeah, well, I'll, I can give him a little winkle for you. See what I can do? No problem. No problem. <laughs> Slip him the winkle. That's great. Yeah. I'll send him a winkle after this. Yeah, that's great. So, so you, so you work. Uh, you, you have Wealth Chain Capital is one of the projects that you're working on, and then also Nunya Business. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, my Nunya Business has been running for a Nunya. long. Nunya Biz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which would, which would render this podcast over, right? <laughs> yeah. So, first question for you, Philip, is uh, why? Why? Yeah. Why? 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 Wow. Second question is how. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and where? We already got the where. Right. We just need yeah. the when and the what. When? The why, the who, the where, the what. I don't even know. I just wake up every morning with a different idea in my head and just run with it. It's quite fast. How did you? Uh, how did you go down this blockchain rabbit hole? What uh, What led you to it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm in a sort of, I guess, a fortunate position that I don't have a tech background. My background is uh, financial markets and capital markets. 
And I've always been really fascinated, uh, firstly, around fintech. That was a big thing for me. I, I worked with a couple of uh, fintech platforms. And then, obviously, distributed ledger technology was not a new thing. It's been around for quite a long time. And it's something that people have sort of poked and prodded and um, considered for quite some time. And then, obviously, uh, you know, the, the tokenization of that and the, the advent of that has been something that's been sort of revolutionary. So, yeah, it's kind of a, I've moved from sort of uh, financial markets into always sort of tech intrigued. And I guess my whole USP, and, and this is what I always say to people when I do my talks on blockchain and crypto, is, look, I'm not a techie. If you get really under the bonnet of this stuff, you know, I'll, I'll get really found out. But actually, I know, I know enough and, and how profound it is, and I know how to relate this to sort of the, in layman's terms to the man on the street, which I think is really important. There's not enough of this sort of thing in the world. I'm sure you guys are aware, you know, there's a lot of guys that are very deep tech, and I think people who can fly the flag and make people understand it will help mass adoption. Very good. So, you know, crypto, this whole world, right, is expanding at such a crazy rate. Mm. Where every day we're seeing news of, of new you know, organizations and new financial leaders and financial organizations and different people that are that are starting to adopt crypto. And then we just had the other day the the backed platform where now Starbucks is going to be offering crypto at all their all their Starbucks. And and so there's there's a lot of stuff going on. It's hard to get that complete picture of what's going on. So how do you how do you view this sort of worldwide revolution and where do you think we're going with this? Yeah, look, it's been a really interesting year. I'm sure you guys have uh lived through the pain and the excitement um, in, in the same breath this year. We're living through it now. It's, it's, you know, it's daily, right? Yeah, it's interesting. We all look, we all sort of uh, leave our portfolios alone and sort of wax lyrical and evangelize about what a, a wonderful thing we have here, which I think is obviously still very true and very profound. And this thing is much bigger than anything we've ever seen before, the, the internet of money. And I think what's been sort of a, a key factor this year is I think in line with the crowd weakening, I think that's definitely been a case. Obviously, the market has become slightly more sophisticated, but I think that in, in turn has made it sort of more manipulatable, if that makes sense. So I think as these sort of uh, nasty futures traders and these big guys in Chicago, New York and London who are very experienced at working FS, FX markets and CME trading, et cetera, et cetera, I think as they enter the space... I think there's an awful lot of market manipulation going on. And like maybe a, a year ago, 18 months ago, you could knock up a white paper with a good concept and, and issue a token and you'd raise a load of cash. That's changed also, which I think is good for the space in the same um, same breath. So I think we're in very much a transitional phase and that's where we are. And I think uh, I'm really excited. I think the end of the year is going to be crazy. I th you know, the reach outs I get are from more established businesses that are uh, interested in two things, tokenization of their business for efficiency and how they operate on the blockchain. But then also, look, we're finding it really hard to raise a load of money in traditional markets via banks, via um, private equity firms. How can we potentially run a security token and, and raise money for our brands? That's going to become more prominent next year. And that's starting to happen already. You know, we all see that. How do we raise a security token for bad crypto? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to talk off air, we'll get it sorted. No problem at all. Hey, don't, don't, don't laugh at us, Philip. We'll have none of that. Mm. I am not. I mean, I, I, I want some bad coins for this. I hope they're uh, being sent to me after this. Podcast. They are completely I mean, and utterly worthless in every way, shape, and form, which is awesome. What? Yeah. Quit groveling, Philip. You're not getting any bad coins. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> That's racist because I'm English, isn't it? It's cryptoist. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's crypto. Yeah. Yeah, don't, it's be, don't be so cryptoist, so coinist. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about, you know, what the mindset is from the other side of the pond there in the United Kingdom when you are talking to people in the traditional finance banking realm. What do they think about the cryptos? Hey, look, we're, I think in the UK and uh, parts of Europe, parts of Europe are more progressive, but we're, we're way behind. We're way behind parts of Asia, the US. Catch up. Different parts. Yeah, I know. Um, we do need to catch up. Definitely, we do. We have it's, 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 crypto is hate speech. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. I, there's just me over here. Can you send some backup, please? You know, I'm the only guy. Here. <laughs> it's me and Marco Robinson, and that's it. You know, game over. <laughs> um, so you know, like, there's two things happening here. I mean, I think that the accessibility of, of launching things like ETFs and products like that will be easier in the UK. I think the FCA are more progressive than the SEC. And I think also uh, European markets like the Frankfurt Exchange, where Stockholm, who I'm the CEO of, are, are listed, etc. Um, there'll be a lot more progression there. So I think it's a great place. You'll, see, you'll hear uh, places like Switzerland, Malta, etc. being talked about as crypto hotbeds. But the knowledge base here is, is so much so far behind, it's still very much, uh, you know, if you're the guy in the pub having a pint and talking to your mates about Bitcoin and crypto, everybody swarms around you like, what's this magical bad coin stuff? You know, how do I get involved in that and get some of this thing? And, and that's really where the market is at the moment. But then, in, uh, you know, conversely, I see CVs every day um, and get sent opportunities every day from loads of guys that will remain anonymous because I could uh, lose some people their jobs that want to jump ship from traditional financial markets right now. They see the opportunity. But these are guys from the investment banks. I don't know if we can say names or not. You can say whatever are- you want. I mean, it's uh, okay. you know your words. Jimmy, Jimmy down there uh, at one place. Alice. Uh, totally okay. Yeah. yeah. That famous Goldman Lynch, you know, that bank, the Goldman Lynch bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, there's like people jumping ship all the time, you know, and there are a few family offices here that have set up um, specific blockchain private bank offerings. and But I think the regulation here is going to be easier and more progressive. So I think um, I'll put it on record now that I will have an ETF live before the Winklevoss brothers. Mm, that's because everybody that's wants a piece of that magical internet <laughs> money. Yeah. Oh, goodness me. Not the time. <laughs> Wait, would you comment on that? Why, you know, the, the Winklevi ETF got rejected? And, you know, why did it happen in your you know mind? What, what happened there? Um, look, I think um, I tell you what was a real uh, eye opener. When you saw Mark Zuckerberg in front of the whatever committee talking about Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scenario and the lack of understanding that these people had that were sat in front of him. They didn't even barely know what the internet was. Do you understand? So if you put any kind of product in front of a regulator, if it's anything but vanilla, as in, okay, it's a unitized product and you invest in this and you get this, they have not got a clue. Forget it. And if you add a layer of cryptocurrency to that and they're trying to get their head around that and understand it and, and you know, the blockchain and et cetera, et cetera, it, it, just forget it at the moment. So I think you've got to maybe look at patch- packaging these things in such a way that the regulator can kind of understand them and get on board. And I think that will happen as the market matures. And I think the level of volatility in the market, especially this year, you know, Bitcoin can lose 70% and we all think that's normal and that's fun and games. But actually, if the traditional market's tanked by 70% in a two-month period, 
there'd be Armageddon. You know, there'd be fires in the streets of London, etc. You know, people uh, people going crazy. So there's a bit of that, um, most definitely. And I think over the next sort of 12, 18 months, as more money does flow into the market from bigger institutional grade funds, etc., and they all start taking longer positions, the volatility will dampen, most definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch how this thing has been going, right? And there's been a as we mentioned, so many different financial organizations are, have been giving validity to crypto, yeah. and but the crypto price hasn't grown, right? It's like, that's what blew me away just this past week whenever they announced that back thing. And then Starbucks is going to be offering, you know, lattes for crypto, and the market actually went down that day. Like, I know. Do you yeah. think it's being manipulated? Do you think there's some big whales and big money people in that are just sort of purposely trying to keep the price down, kind of like they do the silver and gold market? Absolutely, which is why at the end of the month, every month, Bitcoin tanks because the CME futures trades close. It's as simple as that. And, th- and that market makes up 5% of Bitcoin trades at the moment. And by the middle of next year, I predict it'll be 30 to 40% of all Bitcoin trades will be in the futures market. But this kind of reminds me of, uh, and this is all in line with the crowd weakening. When I used to work in the city about 10 years ago, we had this magnificent, wonderful new investment opportunity that came on our desk. And it was like, you cannot avoid this opportunity. It's called China. And we were like, wow, China, you know, what's this place? And China was extremely high risk. And it, the, the stock market in China is owned by the government. And there's only 30 or 40 companies on the stock market. So if you put money in there, the government could change legislation and take it all back at any time. You couldn't ignore the hockey stick of growth. So what we used to do when we built model portfolios for clients is we used to allocate 5% of everybody's portfolio into China. And without fail, people made a load of money. So I believe that what's going to happen is when the products are more suitable and, and it's ready for that, I think you'll start seeing pension funds, unit trusts, sovereign wealth funds. They will all begin to take 5 to 7% positions in long within cryptocurrency, probably in very vanilla top five funds. And that's when you'll see the avalanche. So it's just a little, we're teetering on the brink of that. I mean, a lot of family offices, hedge funds are interested in actually taking positions and looking at blockchain tech. But actually what you want are the big pension funds saying, right, we, we can't ignore this because our, our growth rates are shot to bits. You know, fund managers are always looking for alternatives because they're not making any money anymore. So this is the next natural thing. The internet of information is no more and the internet of money is here and this is where the money will go absolutely so there are the people out there that are like eh, crypto it's for chumps it's tulips and you know blockchain it's like it's the dot-com bubble all over again you know how do you respond to these accusations and allegations <laughs> Um, look, so the way when I explain this, this is what I think. So I think the dot com at its peak had a what six point seven trillion dollar market cap, and there was one fundamental difference with the dot com compared to crypto. And actually, the crypto cryptocurrency is not a bubble, absolutely not a bubble. It's much more profound. Everybody accepts that blockchain technology is going to transform every single industry. We're not just talking about financial services. But the, the dot-com was fundamentally um, NASDAQ-based. So it was mainly American companies taking big positions on an extremely speculative um, idea and concept, which was the advent of the internet, which was then, then became the advent of the smartphone, et cetera, et cetera. And people got very excited about it. Lots of companies went in there. The fundamental difference here is that the crypto is driven by people and the crowd who have had enough 
of the way the financial system works. It's more of a movement. So the crowd entered first. And that's what I always think is a really important point here. So we got up to a $750 billion market cap last year without any help from any institution. And for me, that's really profound. So as much as they will try and rubbish this and there'll be FUD everywhere and they'll try and ignore the fact that this exists and they'll dismiss it as, well, how can it ever challenge as a currency or how's this new way of working happening? The crowd already exists. And the next bull run will pick up more people. And the bull run after that will pick up more people until we're at trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And then they can't ignore it. So that's really how this goes. And, it, and, and it's not a bubble. Yes, there'll be people come in at the top of the market and lose a lot of money because they exit at the wrong time, which is a shame because, you know, if they do their research, they wouldn't do that. Um, but the fundamentals are very different to anything we've ever seen. Tulipmania.com, everything. This is... If behind the advent of the internet and the advent of the smartphone, I think this is even bigger than both of those things. Possibly. That's a really I've never I've not yeah. heard anybody make that distinction that the 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 stock market the dot com bubble was driven by institutional and the crypto revolution is being driven by the people. You know I I know that, but I've never had any heard anybody say it that way. And so for that, Philip Nunn. I bow down. <laughs> I uh, really, really good. Yeah, you've heard I guess seven bad coin now. Yeah. So. Yes, <laughs> seven bad coin. <laughs> I've been a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so true because I mean the people got excited about this, right? The people did not get excited. Some people got excited about the internet early on. Mister Joel Com, he got on in 1995 and was oh, yeah. and he got on the computer in 1980. So he he's been excited about this. For sure. But you just said this. You just said that you think crypto is going to be bigger than you said the bigger than the Internet and the smartphone. Is that what you said? I think bigger than them combined because combined, the, really yeah, sure. yeah, a million percent. You just think you've got to logically think about it. Everything we do at the moment is on the Internet. Every single thing we do all driven through a smartphone, but it's all very unsecure. And it's driven by corporations manipulating and farming our data and making billions and billions of dollars and the protection racket that's Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. Banks have a hold on us. Um, you know, we need to move to a more fair for us, as in I want control and monetization of my own life and my own data and a secure way of, of, of living our lives. You don't, you do, I don't want to be online and have people know where I live and what my national insurance number is and what my shoe size is and how many bad coins I own. I want to actually have a secure way of living my life. And, and that's very, very profound. And, it, you know, it may not be the cat's kind of already out of the bag. I mean, a lot of that information is already out there. These big, you know, the Facebook, it, it, they have all that data. You know, if you have an, if you have a Google phone, an Android phone, they literally know everywhere you are, everywhere you go, everywhere you've been, who all your contacts are who you contact the most, all this other stuff. I mean, it's unbelievable what they know. And so yeah. how do you put that how do you put that cat back in the bag? Well, maybe there'll be a product that comes to market that revolutionizes that and um, is a blockchain solution that gets on there and removes all that data somehow and puts it in a little pot. You know, cat doesn't like <laughs> being in the bag anyway. I mean, you know, you ever try and hold a cat in the bag? Yeah, yeah baby. It's not my bag. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, this idea that these guys make so much money with unsecure data is stored on servers that are very hackable and, you know, the, the world could be collapsed very quickly. Um, you know, let's not forget that, anything from governmental level. So we've got to have this technology. We, we, we've got to have this technology. So 
I, I am so confident of anything I've ever experienced in my whole 25 year business career. I am so confident that this is the biggest thing I've ever seen. I mean, there's, there's no question. Well, that's, there's that's no question. That's why we're here and I, too. And even in the financial, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, you know, I don't care if Bitcoin goes to zero. I don't care what happens in the market. It it had upset me. I'd cry a little bit in my suit. But the under the the fabric, the blockchain, the underpinning technology that's here will not go anywhere. And we're we're the pioneers of that. And we should be proud of that. And you've been in finance for how many years? Um, properly for twenty years. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, and so let me ask you this then. So knowing that you've been in traditional finance for twenty plus years. You love you love fintech. This is exciting. You you think this is one of the biggest opportunities. What is it going to take to sort of bridge that gap between traditional finance and the blockchain world? And I want to ask this specifically: How long until you think you know the stock market sort of becomes tokenized in a way where, like, okay, Apple, you know, you can own a share of the company, right? But it's like, are those going to are we going to see a merging between tokens and st- in, in stock shares down the road, you think? Look, I, I think the next wave of this for me, and I, I work very closely with a few of the, the biggest guys in this space. I think, um, look, if you look at any project out there, um, even if, if positions itself as a utility token, the, the vehicle they're using, even they call it a utility token, primarily is usually to raise capital initially. So how is that not a security? So I think... You know, for me, what's going to happen over the next 12 months is there will be a couple of really big, I think Binance have a chance of uh, launching a decentralized securities exchange. I love people like Polymath. Um, they're good friends of mine, Chris Hauser at Polymath. I think 2019 will be the year of the securities exchange. And there'll be a, a phase of growth whereby companies with a bit more sophistication will put their flag out there and say, yes, we're a security. We're going to raise money. We're going to act exactly like a security would on a traditional stock exchange. And that growth will be aggressive and fast. And I think a lot of the smaller mid-cap stock markets could be replaced. Because if you look at, you know, a market in the UK would be called the AIM, the alternative investment market. If you want to float your business and do an, an IPO, you, you run your business for seven or eight years. Somebody comes in, you do an IPO, a few fat cats in suits make a load of money. You make a bit of money and you have an exit. Whereas obviously with crypto, this time scale is really squashed. So if you have a great product and a viable product within 12 or 18 months or less, obviously, if you get listed on an exchange, you're liquid and you can monetize this. And I think these tokenized security exchanges will start to replace and eat away at the mid-market stock markets that exist under the FTSE and the NASDAQ and whatever it may be. And I think that's what we're going to see. And I think you'll start seeing household names that cannot ignore this and go, well, actually, we want to raise like $500 million. Why would we do it via an IPO or raise money from an exchange? Why don't we create a token like the Hilton token or the, you know, the, the, the Burger King token or whatever you want to do? You know, and then this is the way the world's going to go. So tokenization of brands, as I say, and capital raising, they're, they're the two things that are going to happen. And I think pretty much for me, the death of the utility mm-hmm. token. I may be wrong, but that's well, you know, when we look at the timeline of how long it took for the World Wide Web to become just a part of our everyday lives, you know, it was 1994, kind of got started for commercial reasons. And, uh, you know, by the early 2000s, everybody's talking about the web. The iPhone comes out in 19 uh, or 2007. And in just a few years, smartphones are, are taking over. What do you see here in, is the crypto 
timeline? When do you think we're going to hit that tipping point um, that the masses are, you know, that, that we truly see the explosion? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I mean that's a, a really fascinating point. I mean, obviously, if you imagine before um, the Apple smartphone, the power in the market that Nokia had. What do you guys call yeah, Nokia? People who speak normally say Nokia. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nokia and IKEA. Um, so, <laughs> so um, I mean, they were a powerhouse. And obviously, the smartphone just absolutely wiped the floor with them and took them out of the market. And, and they are where they are today. Um, look, what I love about the crypto space is what you have to remember here is that this is driven, as I said, by the crowd and the guys that are building the fabric of this space, the blockchain space. These are some of the smartest guys in the world. These are like deep tech, seriously smart guys. These aren't like guys who are dining out on their, their father's and mother's reputations and walking into investment banks because they've got the right surname or the right family. These are deep tech guys that are building this, this space. And much like the advent of the internet and the advent of the smartphone and the advent of social media, it will just slide under us as if we're asleep and it will just happen. And then the next thing, we'll all be living our lives like this. And I think the dot-com, if you look at the cycle of the dot-com, it will be much more condensed because I'm sure you guys are the same as me. I mean, like this year has felt kind of like 10 years and five minutes in the same breath. You know, you kind of wake up, it's January the 1st, and the next thing, holy, it's like mid-August, yeah. what just happened? And like a, a month a month in uh, normal life is like six months in crypto. It goes really, really fast, which kind of is a fascinating point because how do investment banks and, you know, private equity firms, how do they adapt to that? Because that's where the really, that's where the death by a thousand cuts is. Investment banks, PE firms, it's Unless these guys adapt quickly, it's game over for them. Okay, so you, you're still hesitant to make a projection. Well, mass adoption, two years max. So we're talking, you know, when we look at the technology adoption curve, um, you know, you've got your pioneers and then you've got your early adopters and then it hits the mass part of the curve. So you're saying two years, we hit the beginning of the mass adoption. Two years beginning of the adoption yeah because i guess if you look at it in a, in a negative light i think um the biggest exposure point for crypto at the moment is adoption so if you look at if you were to take the top 20 by market cap a lot of them are still in beta phase on erc20 tokens you know they've not got their own main nets yet they're all selling a dream or a good idea but as adoption starts to creep in um, then it just goes crazy. And there's no coincidence, MasterCard filing payment um, patents, JP Morgan filing patents. This thing's going to go fast. And, and when the big corporations work out how they can sensibly monetize it from us, they'll adopt it as quick as, as, quick as they can. But if you look at things like, the, you know, one of the big areas I work in is uh, people approach me about is the supply chain industry, $64 trillion. I mean, you disrupt that. Um, just game over and it will happen. You know, I know some uh, companies in the Arab states who are running that oil business on proprietary blockchains already, 75% increase in efficiency. And it's done through some guys, some friends of mine at Blockgemini. These guys have built a, a proprietary blockchain for, I think it's his father's business. They've increased efficiencies through the whole company by 75%. And they've managed to rehouse 15 staff within the group who it was discovered through the blockchain were in the wrong position and it, and it was inefficient. Mm. So it, well, it, they can only do that in the governments, right? I mean, seriously, like the, the amount of waste that is 
that is throughout governments is just unbelievable. It's, it's literally criminal in, in a lot of cases. And when you're, when you're especially when we're talking about the U.S., when we're like six hundred billion dollars a year that go to the Department of Defense and there's so much money that's missing. I mean, literally, there's some accounts that there's twenty one trillion dollars unaccounted for uh, since like 2000, since 1996, like $21 trillion. Like the, the, the university of Michigan created a big report on it and wow. that's unbelievable. You got to have blockchain in here. That way, that way these people get paid on time. You do the project, boom, you hit these milestones, boom, you get paid $21 trillion are missing. That's as basically as much as our total debt is. And it's missing. Yeah. That's scandalous. And, and we all know where that money go, uh, has gone historically, right? You know, it's jobs for the boys, backhanders, whatever. But, mm -hmm. you know, and I think when, when what, you, what you have to remember is if you look at most sort of C-suites and executives in the boardroom, they're all usually like 55 years old, maybe three or four years away from their pension. And they're all too scared to push the button. Ageous, on don't, don't be getting ageist because I'm, I'm creeping up on 55 really quick. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been 35, you've got a bit of time, so don't worry, you know. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, they, these guys won't, won't make a decision because they're so close to their pension and whatever. But when that, when they start jumping, you know, like rats from a sinking ship because they need to evolve or die, then that, that's when it's game over and adoption will happen quickly. It'll go quick. It will go so fast. We will spin round and it will be here. You and it spin will be token me around, right? Crypto, right? Round. That would be awesome. I, well, and also when you consider that the next, you know, halvening happens in 2020, right? Um, you know, that, that the Bitcoin difficulty uh, yeah. will double down. And uh, I think that that's, that is a natural trigger, I would think, uh, not being a financial advisor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously this is not advice, but yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you look at Bitcoin transactions, you know, I, I know guys that all they do their whole life is based around Bitcoin transactions, large Bitcoin OTC transactions. Um, it's very easy to find buyers, very, very difficult to find sellers because the guys who are holding big amounts of Bitcoin, why would you sell? Imagine if you had 100,000 Bitcoin secure now, would, would you guys sell? Not right now, but I would. I was trying, I was trying to sell around 20,000. Let's just imagine that. I want to. I want to just stop for a moment and just imagine that. Just breathe. Yeah. If you guys want to go to the corner and uh, whisper mm -hmm. about it and decide if you'd sell or not, that's okay. Go, just it, would, go. it wouldn't be that hard to imagine. I mean, it'd just be like bitcoins, like in a hard wallet somewhere. Really, there'd be like no difference. Yeah. You know, it's you don't funny. actually see it. You yeah. know, I can actually put it. I'm actually going to do that on my block folio right now. I'm going to imagine. It. <laughs> yeah. Put a hundred thousand. Oh my god! I am so wealthy right now. Oh my god! Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. That's all fake. It's all fake news there. Um, yeah. So, so let me ask you this then. Talking about you know we've we've had some comments about you know the financial industries and and more money is going to be coming in. So where's the smart money from right now? And, and where do you think they're looking to invest when it comes to crypto? Is it, is it mostly those top ten in crypto? Is it Bitcoin? Are they are they waiting for the ETFs? Are they investing in the futures? Like, where's that smart money going? Where's that big investor money coming? That big institutional money coming in? Well, I, I think it's two sides. I think, the, you know, what will happen is you've got, um, you know, companies like Grayscale Capital who've got products out there that are working. They've attracted several billion dollars already. So that's going to start happening more and more. So reputable companies will have... Uh, trading arms and they'll do very sort of maybe top five market cap, very vanilla traded 
ETFs, passive strategies. You know, I, I see a world next year where BlackRock or someone like that will launch a fund that does that, and that will help adoption. But I think on the flip side, so guys who've been real sort of um, pioneers like VCs and whatever of, of fintech, these guys will start investing in the fabric of blockchain. And where I see it, where I see uh, the market moving, the institutional money coming there is that we're still building the sort of underpinning technology here. We're still building the foundations and it's too early for big money to come into offerings that are, that are built on the blockchain. So I think a big area for me are um, if somebody can crack the, the, the digital wallet, so a wallet I can have on my smartphone that's completely secure, um, I think that's going to be a huge adoption point that's very easy to, to use. I don't think anybody's cracked that. I know the uh, CEO of Binance is gunning towards that. I think hybrid exchanges and decentralized exchanges, there's going to be some serious investment into those spaces. And really anything that builds the foundation of what this will become. I think that's where all the smart money is going. And all the smart guys I know in crypto, including you guys, I'm sure uh, – are looking at the foot we're still in the fundamental stage so let's talk about right in in three years time or two years time when mass adoption's here what are going to be the the things that underpin that and i think accessibility understandability and security they're the, they're kind of the three and that's where my investment decisions are based but this is not advice yeah, you hear that, Travis? He called us smart guys. Like we're we're <laughs> fart smellers, a uh, smart fellers, or something like well, that. Well, he just met us. He doesn't really know us, so yeah. If you yeah, get to know us, crypto, there are a lot of good edits in there. We we do yeah. on someone. <laughs> so you know, yeah. let's. Uh, I know this isn't financial advice, but you certainly, when you look through the top twenty or thirty of cryptos out there, you have to have some that you personally like. You maybe yeah. could you name a couple of them. Um, yeah, well, I, I can give you a few of my favorites, no problem at all. I mean, I, I tell you what I think has got a, weird, a, a really uh, interesting commercial upside is Binance Coin. I mean, obviously, their, their growth has been obscene, and they've done redonkulous. it. Redonkulous. And they've done a couple of really clever things. They've, the first one they've done is, obviously, you get cheaper fees on the platform if you trade with, um, you take your fees out of Binance Coin. So it encourages everybody to hold Binance Coin. So everybody on Binance hold, holds Binance Coin, right? And they've done this like magic fairy dust thing, obviously, where you can um, sweep up your little tiny uh, crypto nuggets into Binance Coin. Can you imagine globally how much crypto that is? It's <laughs> quite a bit. Get your hands off my tiny little crypto nuggets. <laughs> yeah, I love that crypto <laughs> dust. We Joel and I were talking about that early on, you know, on yeah. like, a, like a really early ba bad crypto, like maybe in the first 10. We're like, dude, like, what's the deal? Like, I have like 0. 0.000842 of Bitcoin. Like, what the hell am I going to do with that? Like, I can't even do anything with that, right? I can't move it. I can't sell it. Like, what am I? And then for them to turn all that crypto dust back into Binance tokens, that was pretty smooth. Yeah. By the way, if you look at Binance, you know, while it did peak in January with everything else around twenty four dollars, it's one of the ones that after the plummet has, you know, steadily um kind of climbed back. It's sitting around thirteen and a half dollars as of this recording. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think um I think um Ethereum Classic going on to Coinbase is huge. Um, I know that you know the, the it's trading around nineteen dollars now. It's up every day. I think that would be huge because you know obviously Coinbase being the fiat gateway. I think a lot of money that comes in when they see how cheap um, Ethereum Classic is. You know, imagine it, when the next bull run happens, 
And, you know, you've got, because people just see numbers, right? They don't look about token distribution or supply. If I can buy a one Bitcoin for $7,000, I can buy one Litecoin for $80. I can buy one Ethereum Classic for $19. I'll be like, whoa, what's this Ethereum Classic thing? So it's just like so dumbed down. It's unbelievable. But that's how people work. And I think that's going to happen. And I, I obviously, one of my favorite has been sort of EOS, um, fantastic project, moving to mainnet, lots of good news about that. A lot of people in the industry talking about those guys. So I think, um, I, I, and I kind of love Charlie Lee and Lycoming, but I think they're just going to continue to slide uh, for now because I think better better projects are taking over. What do, what do you think of Stellar? I'm really curious to hear your input on that. Yeah, I mean, Stellar's fantastic and um, as easy, if not easier, to and more efficient to build on than the Ethereum blockchain. One of the problems Stellar had, which I, th- I believe is resolved or will be resolved, was that a lot of exchanges wouldn't list an ICO that was built on the Stellar blockchain because of the integration points. It was too difficult. So that was kind of holding them back. But I think they've they've kind of fixed that now. Stellar's a magnificent project, absolutely magnificent project. And I think it's going to be a, a big, alongside uh, NEO, I think it's going to be a big competitor to Ethereum with all their might. I think it'd be like a cool alternative to Ethereum. Yeah, that's great. Well, especially with NEO right now, what is it, like 20-something dollars right now? Like, you thought, So do you think that's – I mean, there's been some really great you know projects built on NEO. And, I mean – so how is that how, how did that collapse so far yeah i mean again i just think obviously market sentiment and i think it's kind of got a little bit left behind and a, a lot of neo's focus is obviously on the asian market it's kind of it's been earmarked as the ethereum of asia hasn't it so that's the big thing so and obviously the asian markets have had their own problems so i think it's, it's simply a, a direct correlation to that mm-hmm. i still think it's a fantastic that they've got a great dev team it's a fantastic project and I think it will succeed. So I think that twenty six hundred and sixty two dollars down to twenty six dollars right now. I know, man. So goodness me, where does that go? Where does that go from here? And Neo is such a cool name, isn't there's it? There's only sixty five. There's only sixty five million Neos in circulation right now. One hundred million total. So exactly. that's me. Yeah, it's, it's it's sitting at one point seven uh, billion market cap right there. Great stuff. Well, uh, so you know, you just mentioned about some of those different crypto products that are coming in. You know, uh, on Coinbase, you know, you know, you mentioned Ethereum Classic. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they mentioned potentially Stellar Lumens, and then they opened up a whole bunch of other coins that they're looking at as well. So we've got companies in the U.S. like Coinbase. You know, they're they're trying to bring in new crypto products and to the masses. You know, so what do you think the next evolution is? What is going to be that thing that <laughs> happens that every man and every woman in the world is going to be like, oh my God, crypto! I must get in. What? What's going to happen that, that, that just flips the switch? Yeah. Hey, just a point on that, right? So we talk about market manipulation. When uh, Coinbase did that thing, they were like, whoa, we're going to list all these tokens. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a free-for-all. And then everybody, and all the markets went flying, you know, all the, the, the coins and tokens that were, they were talking about, they spiked. And then they came out and retracted it like 24 hours later and said, well, you know, we're just kind of looking at it and consider it. Was that not market manipulation somewhere? Was Coinbase right. getting like, Backhanders and bungs to do that. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like how whenever they released a Bitcoin Cash in there, right? It was yeah, like, yeah. Or and they were doing some other stuff there. Like you didn't really know that it was going to happen, but there were some people inside Coinbase who sure as hell knew that that was about to happen. And like, how is that not insider trading? And how is oh. that not manipulation? 
crazy. For sure. Yeah. Do you think uh, if you if you had access to the Coinbase guys' uh, trading strategies that day, <laughs> they might have yeah. they might have changed their positions. If only there was a wealth chain to keep track of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, my. I think we need a wealth chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I might, yeah, I might build it on the. I might build it on the bad blockchain. How's about that? Mm, sounds bad to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I Phillip, think, uh, look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, is there actually a website for WealthChain Capital? Uh, yes, there's WealthChain.com. It talks, it, uh, on there it talks about the investor club, not the VC element. So this is part of what we're doing. We, we're looking to build in a, um, you know, by, by the way, this is by no means any kind of sales pitch. We're just on having a chat today. But the whole thing I'm working on is to make, crypto more accessible to anybody out there because people's investments and long-term savings are all shot to bits and it's a protection racket. And if we can bring in more understandable cryptocurrencies that are easier to invest in and save into, I think that can only be for the good. And I think, you know, the $200 trillion money supply, it's about time we got some of this more for power to the people instead of all this money that stays at the top and the sponge is used up by the the few. And I think for me, and I, I hold this firm, it's quite fascinating because we're all, we're all dying for institutional acceptance and institutional adoption. But what people need to be careful of is that's going to detract away from the magic of what this is. This is us as a movement saying, you know, we've had enough of how you guys operate and we're going to change this world. And I think we need to, in, what, in one sense, we need to welcome institutional investment but in the, in the other sense, we need to have it on our terms because it's about time we got the 30, 50, 100% returns per year as opposed to those guys, the banks and the governments and the corrupt. Amen to that. And on that note, uh, Philip Nunn, CEO of WealthChain Capital, WealthChain.com. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and insights with us. We do appreciate it. You are truly bad. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Good stuff from Mr. Philip Nunn. Thanks, Philip. Great to know you, and, and thanks for sharing what you're working on there. Uh, Travis and I are going to be on the road again. This time, we're going to Chicago. The Voice of Blockchain Conference is happening on Navy Pier, August 24th and 25th. The website's voiceofblockchain.com. This is going to be a really unique event. It will be. I'm really excited about it because there's going to be all these you know, YouTubers that are big on blockchain, all these podcasters and, and journalists and people that are in the crypto space, along with a ton of, um, you know, guests at the at the deal. We're actually having our own Republic of Bad Cryptopia area set up, and we're going to be doing a lot of interviews on the 25th there. So if you are interested in, you know, blockchain and are near Chicago or not near Chicago, but want to connect with a bunch of people who are in crypto and have some media outlets and uh, make some connections that would be a great event for you to go yeah to. so go to voiceofblockchain.com and you can uh, get your tickets there see everybody who's going to be speaking as well as the voices that are going to be there great opportunity i would say for icos or anybody with an existing project to go as well because think of all of the the uh, influencers that are going to be there which uh, people can speak with mm-hmm yeah. No, I think it'd be really smart for ICOs to come there because they want PR for their company, right? If they're doing something really epic, they should probably come. And we interviewed of people. There. Yeah, we had Disruption Joe from Voice of Blockchain on the show. And in fact, uh, the URL, if you guys missed that episode to find out more about the event, is badco.com 
bit.ly.in forward slash 159. And you can learn more about Voice of Blockchain. Hope to see you guys there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and review the show. We've got some more fun reviews coming up. If you go to iTunes or Facebook or anywhere you're able to leave a review, if it's a five-star review and it's funny, feel free to be clever, feel free to be bad, then we might read that on a future episode. And we would thank you for that review. It means so much to us. It makes our hearts happy. And if you've not subscribed to the show, please do that uh, because that helps the algorithms and the ranking factors and all that good stuff. And if you have some friends that are thinking about the cryptos, you know what? You know, let them listen to maybe episode 53 whenever we were talking about magical Internet. money. money. Badco.in forward slash zero five three is the magical internet money episode that tells a little bit about what is up. Now would be a really good time to have your friends hear about it because crypto is kind of low right now. Uh, we are, you know, the, uh, the uh, rocket has connected to its launch pad and we'll be going to the moon soon. So we don't want anybody. To we hope so. Them. And ask your friends if they're bad, like, the, you know, ask them if they're into cryptocurrency and then ask them if they're bad. And that's like the secret signal, right? That is our Illuminati high sign. In fact, that would be really funny. Like when you meet people in crypto, just say, are you bad? <laughs> are you bad? <laughs> and if they say I yes, see. then the reply is, well, stay bad. Yeah, stay bad. Yeah. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.